Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second session of the Burl Cauley Leadership Institute. This session is entitled, You Are Here, How to Create a Culture of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Welcome, everyone. Welcome those on Zoom and everyone on ACB Media. And we have a, a nice crowd here in the room in Omaha. So we have a panel of two or three individuals. They're going to, first, I'm going to ask them to just quickly uh, introduce themselves and just quickly tell their leadership roles or maybe committees they serve on in ACB. And there's a reason I want them to do that because. I want you to see not only the, their diverse backgrounds and stuff, but their, their um, commitment to ACB and, and the, the uh, wide areas in which they participate in ACB. So I'm going to ask Ray Campbell first, if he would introduce yourself. Uh, my name is uh, Ray Campbell, as Donna said. I serve as second vice president of the American Council of Blind. I am um, in that role. I am officer liaison to a number of committees, uh, the Multicultural Affairs Committee, the Membership Committee, the Information Access Committee, and to the Constitution and Bylaws Committee. Um, and I have to say that uh, by far I'm most proud to be liaison to the Multicultural Affairs Committee. So our next uh, panelist is Maria Christic. Hello, everyone, and thank you uh, so much to Donna and the uh, Burl Macaulay Leadership Institute team for inviting me to be on this panel. I am the chair of ACB's International Relations Committee, and this is the first year that I've been in that role. Otherwise, I have been on that committee for a number of years now. I believe this is my third year. Uh, in addition, at the national level, I uh, serve on the Constitution and Bylaws Committee for ACB, and I'm also on both the Voting Task Force and the Resolutions Process Task Force. Uh, and in addition, certainly I'm uh, involved with several uh, affiliates. Um, on the special interest uh, side, I'm treasurer and on the Bylaws Committee for uh, ACB Next Generation, which is our affiliate for those, uh, primarily for those who are 14 and under. Uh, and I also serve uh, various uh, treasure bylaws uh, type and another um, committee roles in the Blind LGBT Pride International Affiliate, uh, the Guide Dog Users Affiliate uh, as well. Uh, and I will mention that uh, I am from New York State. So, uh, again, back to the title, um, how it says you are here, which, which is you, hold on, it says you belong here. So, you know, no matter who you are, you do belong here. But we're going to talk about how to create a culture of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And our two panelists, as you can hear, have different various roles in ACB. And Ray didn't tell us that he's the president of a couple of affiliates, too. So um, if you could both talk about how you think we as leaders are some maybe key things that we as leaders need to keep in mind 
um, to create that culture of, of diversity, equity, and inclusion within our affiliates, within our committees, chapters, whatever it might be. So again, we'll start with Ray. Yeah, uh, as Donna mentioned, I'm from Springfield, Illinois, and I'm president of both the Illinois Council of the Blind and the American Council of Blind Clients. And um, I think there's a number of things that you have to do to create that culture of diversity, equity, and inclusion. One that Dan Spoon talks about a lot, our president, is, is it's um, it's getting it. creating that yeah. Creating the uh, being intentional about diversity, equity, and inclusion, so that when you're forming committees, make sure that you include people who have very varying backgrounds on the When you are assigning tasks to be done, don't always assign it to the people who always have done. Look for other people with different backgrounds, through the affiliates, through state specialist affiliates, through other committees, those kinds of things. If you're the leader of a group, whatever group it might be, you need to facilitate where everyone has an opportunity to participate. You, you assign out the task to different people, or what you do is maybe assign it to them, but have somebody else uh, kind of work along with them, kind of learn and grow uh, in that way. You know, people can't learn and grow if they're not given a chance. You know, if they're not given a chance even to learn from mistakes. And, um, you know, it's, uh, and then I, I think that, um, I think those are just a couple of things that I would say uh, can help to create that culture of, uh, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, or you know, some some things you can do to to begin to do that. And I'll turn it over to Maria. All right, thank you, Ray. And I'm very sorry to have cut into. I was just I was finding it hard to hear what you were saying. So, um, all right. So I think um, first from first, I think we need to uh, keep in mind uh, that. You know, individuals have a, a different a comfort level uh, with things like, you know, speaking up or directly speaking to someone who is, uh, if you will, quote unquote, higher than them in, in the hierarchy, who is more of a senior um, level. I can tell you, I didn't mention in my intro, uh, I am an immigrant uh, myself from Bosnia originally, and I can tell you, for example, uh, in many languages, there are just these, this, this hierarchical notion is embedded, like different levels of the word you, for example, some that are more formal than others, or just the fact that you don't speak as directly to people who are senior than you, or the fact that you're, um, you know, you, you're not supposed to, you know, embarrass kind of people publicly and, and you're not supposed to rock the boat so much. And so, um, I think those different types of communication styles are something that, uh, is, that are important to keep in mind. And, and, you know, from casting a wider net, you know, there are just personality. There are different types of personalities. You know, I think about, uh, for example, there's so many of these different, you might have heard of something like the Myers-Briggs uh, indicators. I know that's something I did in my MBA of which type are you, <laughs> right? So some of us are more um, introverted, some are more extroverted, and, you know, there are other dimensions as well. But we need to keep in mind that for some people, um, 
you know, speaking up or making a point during a, a meeting doesn't quite, um, uh, it doesn't come as easily uh, for them. And we also you know, need to keep in mind that uh, there are different levels of, again, I'm thinking a lot from the international perspective, there are different levels of proficiency with the uh, English language. There are different uh, levels of understanding about ACB. We have all kinds of people who come, some who are brand new to the organization, um, some who have been for years. Um, and, you know, there also might be uh, people with some other types of uh disabilities in addition to blindness, um, whether, you know, cognitive or a hearing impairment or some such as well that might make it uh, more uh, challenging for them to follow with what is uh, going on. And in addition, something to keep in mind is that people are in different uh, locations, you know, not only now with Zoom and the community and such, we can have people from all over the world join us. But, you know, even in the U.S., the fact that you have people um, in different uh, from from East Coast to the uh, West and, of course, Hawaii, Alaska time zones um, as well. So, you know, just in terms of some uh, some suggestions to address uh, some of those points, um, you know, having uh, at, so from a um, a macro level, if you will, from a 30,000 foot view, I think one way to signal from the top that you have a commitment to all of these uh, diverse perspectives is to include a commitment to something like non-discrimination um, in, you know, your organizational governing documents. For example, I can tell you several of the special interest affiliates in ACB uh, have a non-discrimination uh, clause in their bylaws. And, uh, you know, one also has a, a policy that uh, lays out in more detail its commitment to various cultural diversity. Um, and if something like that is made uh, public on, you know, the organization's website and is communicated out to the membership and such, that can certainly assist with uh helping different populations to feel included. Um, on that, you know, topic, I, I will say of the, the website, I think um, that's, you know, how you, that is one way that you get new members. And so if you have a diverse representation of leadership, people from various uh, backgrounds, uh, you know, racial, uh, various uh, races or various um you know, immigrant backgrounds, various age groups, whatever it might be, you know, make that uh, known, you know, whether I, I think about the um, the greater uh, metropolitan, the New York City chapter, the American Council of the Blind of New York, did a, a great YouTube video on the contributions of diverse members of their membership. And so, you know, that kind of an external image would help to make um, not only, you uh, you know, those who are inside who've taken part of that feel included and heard, but also um, those who are, you know, potential uh, members. And I think um, in terms of, you know, building off of what Ray had said about a di a, an intentional effort, um, you know, cultivating a diverse, you know, leadership or a membership uh, does take 
intentional effort. It's cultivating those relationships so that you can figure out who is good at what and you can assign them skills in areas that really draw out their strengths. And even, you know, asking people, approaching them directly to serve in a leadership position. You know, they might not be feeling confident, but if they hear that someone else is confident in them, that just might give them the boost that they need to decide um, that they do want to run. Um, in terms of, I was mentioning that, you know, keeping in mind that there are different uh, populations, um, and one way to, you know, address that when you're actually having meetings is to, you know, try and have a variety of topics on your meetings. So some uh, more, quote unquote, introductory level and some maybe more, uh, if you will, advanced, some things that are more suitable for um, a certain age group than another, you know, like for, um, you know, example, you might have one presentation talking about something, if it's, a, if it's like a state affiliate, you might have some uh, topic on something related to, to senior, uh, you know, living and some of those options. And then you might have another topic that is the next meeting about, you know, one of your members who's a, a college student, you know, who's talking about their experience. So variety. And from an intro standpoint, you know, you might have some people, again, uncomfortable to speak up, say maybe you're talking about some advocacy victory and you contacted this department and this person was saying, and, you know, I have no idea how I even do something like that. So, you know, having some kind of introduction to um, advocacy or some such, the the variety of topics that you have will bring um, various people uh, in. And in terms of not actually having uh, some knowledge about something, um, explaining abbreviations and slang and, um, you know, certain references, just being conscious to, to try and do that as you're speaking, being, you know, the present moment and to be able to do that definitely helps to bring people in. You know, we have our, uh, at the beginning of our uh, convention program, we've got that whole list of abbreviations and, you know, we have the, the whole ACBs of ABC. Uh, I, I even did it wrong. The ABCs of ACB um, programs that we've held. Um, something like that, you know, when people are new to ACB, they're not going to know what all of these words mean. Or if someone's coming from an international background, they might not know what's, you know, the ADA. You might have to explain. And, and you don't have to explain for a paragraph, just, you know, the Americans with Disabilities Act, the, you know, and, and a brief sentence about what it is. Or I've had people who are younger um, in the next gen group. I mentioned something and I said in GDUI and I said, oh, and that's the guide dog user special interest affiliate of ACB. CV and you know someone thanked me for that um, because they they did not know what what that meant and so and also just you know if you mention I contacted Joe well someone might not have a clue who Joe is so you know explaining well Joe's the head of you know traffic engineering and they have jurisdiction over the street or whatever you know just a brief explanation to to make sure that people. Um, are uh, included. Um, in terms of being bringing, I mentioned, you know, some people are more comfortable about speaking up than others, you know, just um, asking, you know, asking what their thoughts are, you know, asking their name and asking what their thoughts are. Um, maybe also, uh, you know, paraphrasing what someone has said, if they've talked for quite a while, and, you know, maybe English isn't their first language, or this is their first time in such a setting, you know, repeating 
saying back to them in a, in a sentence or two what they have said and making sure that that's correct. That helps to um, make people feel heard. And also, you know, inviting people to give thoughts afterward. You know, I mentioned some of in different cultures um, where their indirect communication is much more prevalent. Someone might not feel comfortable um you know, giving their thoughts like that in a meeting when you say, do you have questions or do you think that's a good course of action? But afterwards, in a more one-on-one or in a written communication, um, someone might be a lot more comfortable in sharing their thoughts. So, um, you know, that's uh, from in terms of, you know, during meetings, some thoughts um, in terms of some of the other items uh, that I mentioned to keep in mind about people in various locations, time zones. Um, so for that, you know, consider holding events at different times, uh, you know, being cognizant of people in different locations when you try and schedule your event. Or even if, you know, you're you're, of course, not going to be able to have some time that works for absolutely everyone. But maybe even the solution is, you know, rotating the time that you hold a certain event, maybe one week, uh, if it's a weekly, you know, one week you hold it at some other time than from uh, the other uh, three weeks of the month or some such to be able to help another group of people, whether in a different location or whether working or whatever it is um, to attend. And, um, you know, I think also uh, a big one is to facilitate connections. So um, again, people um, not either just not feeling like uh, they know. I, I think a lot of this comes, I, I've heard this in more of a, uh, a diaspora type of context. And I'd like to thank some of my national community members to gave some of their thoughts. Um, you know, we have our different affiliates in ACB and in, in a way they kind of create these silos, you know, the people, the, the people that are in your affiliate, but you don't necessarily know outside. And so, you know, as leaders, because you know, the more we, yes, we're, we have blindness in common, but there are also other facets to our identities that we may have in common. And, you know, you as a leader, if you're able to, you know, get to know people as you're, as you're cultivating relationships with others, um, and you notice that, you know, someone has some similar background to someone else that you know, of course, you know, asking their permission, but, you know, being able to connect those people together, just introducing them and, you know, um, that, will certainly help people to feel like they are included within the wider net of ACB that yes, here are these other people who have other um, items, you know, in common with me. So I think that um, with that, I will turn it back over to, to Donna for now. I apologize for the length of that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Wow. I, I wish I had Maria's energy. <laughs> okay. Um, so um, as Maria and both and Enray both alluded to, you know, as, as a leader, we, we kind of need to be observant of everything <laughs> of, of, you know, environments and, and uh, just uh, characteristics of our members and just all all kinds of things. Um, so think about, and, and if you don't feel comfortable answering this, that's okay. Um, but I think we have all been in a situation or situations where we have kind of felt, you know, like maybe with our visual impairment or with our, I don't know, 
myself maybe as a female, you know, in, in situations or whatever, where, you know, there really wasn't that equity and we, we didn't really feel included. Um, so can you think of a, a time where that might have happened and, and how you sort of felt and, and how you tried to handle that? Because um, I think sometimes I know for me, sometimes we learn how to um, maybe be better leaders from situations we've been in where we sort of didn't feel like we were included or or, our our skills weren't valued or or whatever. So, Ray, do you want to tackle that? Okay, sure. Um, I think I think that some of the best learnings that you can have our situations like that, uh, Donna and company, because um, you, because at least for me, um, if I go through a situation like you're talking about, and I'll give an example in a minute, but um, you, you've at least what I do is I vow I'm not going to let that happen to anyone else. Now, let me give two quick examples. Um, so this morning, so um, I. Um, I worked for many years for uh, a company uh, that um, in the telecommunications industry. And, um, you know, I had, um, I worked on a, on a good team of people, you know, good, intelligent uh, people that, you know, were really smart uh, technology type people. I work in the tech industry, Um, but I noticed things. Um, I noticed that, you know, the, um, you know, when they go, when, when the group of them go out to lunch, I wasn't, I often was not asked if I wanted to join them. I had to kind of, uh, you know, force myself into, or, you know, say, Hey, can I go along? And I kind of felt like I was uh, forcing my way into the, that situation. Um, and, you know, groups getting together, uh, especially in a work situation or any situation, really. I mean, that's where some of the best, some of the better ideas come from. That's where you can um, kind of learn more about the people that you're working with or, you know, in any situation, whether it's a work situation or a situation like an ACB uh, affiliate or whatever, you can learn about, about people. So I was, you know, um, they, and, and, and it was mainly things kind of, extra things like that. I mean, they're always seem to be willing to, um, you know, answer questions when I had them or help me out with various things. Um, but, um, you know, again, some of that, uh, uh that's the other stuff, uh, this, uh, the, you know, the going out to lunch, going to happy hour, going to, um, you know, uh, different, uh, different things. Uh, it seemed like, uh, that, that didn't happen. And so I always vowed that, you know, I would do my best not to let that happen to somebody else. Um, and, um, the, uh, so I think, um, I think learning from that, you learn, Hey, you know, do your, make sure you try to include people. For example, if you have at, at a, con- at your state convention, for example, if you're a state affiliate president, make sure that you know who the first timers are and look them up and welcome them. Um, and, um, you know, don't be in a hurry. Sometimes we're, we're all in, we're all doing a lot of things. We're all in too much of a hurry. Sometimes you just have to kind of sit there and let the person, you know, say what they're going to say to you. 
um, had that happen at a state convention a few years ago. Um, this uh, gentleman came up and um, he just, he started talking and I, I kind of figured out right away, okay, I can't hurry away from this. This man needs somebody to talk to about what he's dealing with. Uh, it was related to his vision issues. And so um, I, I, I sat and I listened to him and, you know, tried to encourage him as much as I could encourage him to come to the, you know, come back, you know, back for some of the convention and different things like that. So I, I think those are uh, some things you have to do. And I think the final thing too, is that, um, that something I've always, I've seen happen and um, where I've learned not to let it happen again. And, and, and it actually just kind of, ha- it almost happened this morning and I know it wasn't intentional, um, but um, we, we here in the room, we had, um, didn't have all of our audio stuff going for a little while here this morning. And um, somebody suggested, it was suggested, well, let's just start talking to people in the room. And I said, no, we're not going to do that because that's not equal access for everyone. And that came from, I've seen too many people who have been excluded because the sign language interpreter wasn't there or because, um, you know, the assistive listening devices didn't work or whatever. We need, we need, and, and I learned that last year too, even on Zoom, you know, for the Zoom folks, um, I was, I was hosting an event where one of the people that came on said, well, the transcription's not available. And I didn't know how to turn that on, uh, but what, but we, we paused the event until we figured out how to get that turned on. So that individual had equal access. And I think those are the kinds of things that you just have to be intentional about. Yes, an event might run late, but doggone it, you make sure people have equal access to that event. Okay. Um, I First, I absolutely agree with Ray on the value of uh, learning from your experiences uh, in terms of how you want to conduct yourself as a leader, but not only from your own experiences, I think, um, you know, certainly observing the way others lead and, and conduct, you know, meetings and conduct themselves and kind of observing reactions to the same, you know, what's worked and what hasn't and, you know, honing your approach. It's, it's a living thing, you know, you're never done learning and, and trying to improve and such, but um, definitely some self-reflection and, and um, observation of others is uh, so important. Um, you know, I think for me, I first, you know, I have to say that the other side to this, you know, for those who might be feeling, uh, you know, excluded, I have to just put some empowerment out there and to say that, you know, you are, you are valid, you have the right to your views. And if, you know, if someone isn't including you, if you think something needs to be done differently, or if you feel like you would be a good you know, leader or you're qualified to take on some committee role, you know, whatever it is in, in ACB, you know, speak up and pitch yourself and ask your question. You know, I know it might be, I, I mentioned in my prior uh, comment about with some of the, the cultural uh, factors, you know, the, the direct, more direct communication or, you know, questioning those uh you know, in quote unquote above you in the hierarchy and such, that might be a, a little more difficult. Um, and, and I understand because I've <laughs> been there uh, to some extent, but, you know, taking small 
steps, you know, uh, maybe uh, if you're not used to, you know, calling someone who's your, you know, senior by their first name, you know, maybe just trying calling them by their first name if other people are doing that and just getting mentally used to something like that, you know, maybe that's a nice first step. And then afterward, maybe asking them just a question that isn't anything um, contradicting. It's just like a question of understanding and then, you know, seeing how that's received. So just like slowly, you know, slowly, um, kind of coming a bit out of your comfort zone and challenging yourself and, and helping you to grow. Um, you know, I, I definitely, I want uh, people to, to feel empowered to do that. You know, for example, I, I guess for me, um, an example where um, I felt like something uh, needed to change, or I felt like I could, you know, add some value somewhere, but I, uh, in, in a certain um you know, affiliate, like I had just, you know, joined um, GDUI and I, I was also looking for some volunteering opportunities because I uh, was in between my grad school and, and my job. And I knew that that could assist as well with my, uh, you know, re- resume and such. But certainly there was just also this desire to, to give back. And but, you know, people didn't really know me and didn't know where I could fit. And, um, you know, so I, I kind of was like, OK, I, I can't expect that much of inclusion, I guess people don't really know me. And so I decided I was going to write an email to the person who was the committee chair and explain my skills and qualifications and why I, uh, you know, felt that I would be a good fit. And, you know, that was kind of really the the beginning of my journey of, of leadership at ACB um, that she you know, was was impressed by the fact that I took some initiative and um, it's not only led to leadership, but, it's, you know, great friendship as well. And she actually was kind enough to write me one of my letters of reference for my my job that I have now. So, you know, it's just the circular. If, if you feel like there's some um, and, you know, I think this, you know, Ray was saying, you know, kind of uh, like if you were forcing his way into some of those lunches in a way, like gently, gently, you know, insert yourself <laughs> into um into these uh, into places where you feel you might not be included and kind of see see what happens um and so you know yeah i think definitely some of what i had said earlier about bringing people in and and more directly asking them what their thoughts are and such i think comes from that um but i think just also um that uh you know being able to if we're coming from the other side Side, right kind of being able to have some of that initiative and, and feeling you know empowered just from a from you know a personal perspective someone to feel empowered to jump in you know I think is uh really important and so you know I I, I guess it kind of circles back around to what I had said before, even about, you know, kind of cultivating some of those relationships. And, and if, and if you like, you know, if you hear someone saying that they're interested in your affiliate or your committee or whatever through some, you know, roundabout way, well, you know, bring them in, you know, they, they, I, I heard one of the members on my international relations committee, they said they were interested literally i heard via a, an acv podcast and so i reached out and so you know again i, I think this kind of what i'm saying is it, it goes um both ways but i i definitely think that yes the the times that we have felt you know excluded and such do you know think about those and i think we we do as leaders and we should you know try and consciously um you know make sure that others to the extent that we can control such a thing that others don't 
um, experience it as we did. Great. Thank you. Thank you both. Um, you know, as leaders, you know, we've all started somewhere, <laughs> you know, whether it was in, in grade school. I always say my first leadership role was secretary of Handy Dandy Candyland store in third grade. That's, that's where it all started. <laughs> and I had a teacher, Evelyn Kaufman, and, and who was an ACB member, but I didn't understand that at the time. Um, but anyway, uh, so ACB is going to start a mentoring program. And there was something Maria said that kind of led me to, to that. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, and I'm one of the team members. And so um, we will be looking for, and these people have names now. They're not mentors and mentees anymore. They're, but you have to forgive me because I sometimes forget and say it. Um, the mentors are, are now actually going to be guides and the mentees will be explorers. And so, um, you know, any, anyone, you know, or even you yourself, you know, if you feel like you would like to be an explorer and, and maybe gain some leadership skills from a mentor or a guide, um, we will be having applications for explorers that will be, go live on July 15th. And within that application, um, one of the questions, I kind of helped to write the application. So you're getting a little preview here. Um, <laughs> We're getting an exclusive. Yeah, there you go. No cost for admission, but you're going to take away a lot of stuff here. Um, anyway, so you, um, we're going to ask that you um, give, tell us some of the skills that, that you have or some skills that you would like to um, in, improve on. Um, some areas of leadership that you're interested in. The guides or what were mentors will also fill out an application that will go live July 15th as well. And within that, uh, we will ask that you share your leadership journey, basically, and, and some of the, the um, maybe committees you've served and uh, various things. And we're going to hope to match guides with explorers who can work as a team and develop, you know, the goal is to develop leadership, new, new leaders in, in ACB. Um, and, you know, a lot of our leadership skills carry us to other parts of, of our lives, our maybe an employment, uh, our involvement in our communities, just whatever. Okay, so Brad, how about, do we have any um, hands raised on Zoom for questions? Yes, we do. You want to start with those? Yes, let's do two Zoom, and then if there's two in the room, you can start raising your hands, and Zelda will get the first one she saw. And okay. Anyway, we'll start with two in Zoom. Go for it. Okay, first up, we have Jamaica Miller. How do you, com how do you um, commute, how do you get where, where I can actually access the, the, the chapter meetings because... People are pe people are 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 needing to go back to uh, in person meetings, and I'm not going to be able to do that at this time. And I am an officer of the chapter chapter level, so um, I need. That's my question. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Well. Well, hello, my friend Jamaica. Good to um, good to hear you out there. Um, glad you're listening in. 
Um, yeah, that's a that's a really that's a really difficult thing that we're a lot of chapters I think are struggling with right now. You know, we all want to go back in person. Um, you know, look at this convention. We have a lot of people here here in person, but yet we have a lot of people that are attending virtually. Um, and, um, you know, for various reasons and, you know, COVID maybe be one of them. Uh, but, um, I think this is, I think something that, um, that the, that I think you need, I think you and others that feel the same way that you do need to make it very clear to chapter leadership, um, to say, you know, Hey, I'm not able for whatever reasons, uh, to go back to in-person meetings yet. Um, you know, be a variety of reasons. Uh, here's the dilemma that you have, especially at the local chapter level. And that is you might not have, and, and you'll need to see if you can, and I'm trying to think of some ways that you could do this is, you might not have either the somebody with the equipment or the expertise to set up a hybrid uh, meeting so that those who do wish to attend virtually would be able to do so. Um, so I think, so I think part of your, part of what you want to do is maybe identify some people within the chapter that have at least some idea of how to set up a, uh, a, a zoom meeting. Um, you know, first you gotta, I, I don't want to do my whole, what, what I did at leadership because that'll take too long, but, um, it's your, at the DC leadership, but, um, you know, first of all, you know, say, Hey, you know, do, do, do we meet at a place that would have the ability to have a, a Wi-Fi or something where you could set up zoom and, you know, second of all, um, you know, do, are there people who could make it happen? You, you need some equipment, but you don't need, you don't need the fancy setup we have here. All you really need are just, um, you know, probably some, a little bit, a little bit of PA equipment, uh, at least a microphone and maybe a speaker and um, uh, some way to connect that to a computer or even maybe even an iPhone or an iPad and, you know, Set it, run it through Zoom. You know, you have to have access to a Zoom account also. But um, you know, I think I think that you need to let your chapter folks know that there is an interest in hybrid meetings, and and, and there are some people attending hybridly. Also, talk about the advantages of it. Uh, Jamaica, for example, say, hey, you know, look. We have people who want to belong to our chapter, but maybe they're in nursing homes, for example, or maybe they're just they work during the time of the meetings and, you know, could participate virtually, but cannot do it in person. And, um, you know, try to extol the benefits of having a hybrid component to the meeting and then help to identify the expert, the, the people who can help make that happen for you. Those are some things I can think of. Thank you. Maria? Let me just, yeah, thanks. Yeah, let me just add on. First of all, you know, for those who are in leadership positions and kind of thinking of implementing this from the other 
side, you know, back to Donna's question about things to keep in mind. That's one thing to keep in mind is that hybrid is here to stay. I can even tell you some of, you know, work. I work um, for a, a component of state government. And, you know, even some people in the state, there was a lot of, you know, encouraging people to, you know, completely in the office and such. And, you know, there, there's, I can understand why. You know, for uh, assisting local businesses and things. But as, you know, Ray said, there are reasons that people, and for example, for us on the blindness side, transportation is a big one too, right? And that applies to chapter meetings and such. If the meeting is held half an hour away from you and you want to be able to participate and now you've participated virtually, well, you still want to feel connected. So that can be, a, you know, a big one um, as well. But, you know, people are slowly realizing even, you know, I mentioned the work situation, we're now starting a telecommuting pilot, which is a combination of in-person and virtual. So I think, you know, people um, are realizing and we need to kind of get to that point where uh, to, to have people come on board with this idea that a hybrid is here, to, whether that means every single meeting is virtual, whether that means, or, or hybrid, I'm sorry, whether that means every meeting is hybrid, whether that means you alternate. So if it's like really, really a big, you know, uh, load, you have an in-person meeting one month and then a hybrid, uh, virtual, all virtual the next month or something um, that there, there needs to be a provision for. And let me, you know, encourage people, oh, even what, what Ray was saying, certainly that is great. But if you're really in a Pinch. Let me tell you, the guide dog users of New York affiliate, we've been having, if you will, a hybrid for cup gosh, since I've been involved. So that's, I guess, been like five years now. And, uh, very simple. We had, we have a Bluetooth speaker that has a mic. And, and I'm not saying this isn't 100% ideal. We're looking at ways to improve it too. But in a pinch, I have to tell you, someone comes on their iPhone, Zoom, they've got the Bluetooth speaker. We make sure it gets passed around to whoever wants to talk. And certainly they can hear us in the, um, those of us who are, who are virtual. And, you know, that was like a $60 Zoom speaker and, you know, I mean, a Bluetooth speaker. So again, not a huge outlay and not a huge amount of, you know, someone just needed to know how to connect to, you know, Zoom and make sure it was connected to the speaker. So, you know, um, certainly I agree with what Ray is saying, but I want to just encourage those of you, if you're hearing that and you're just like on the fence, it's really, it's here to stay. It is, you know, to your advantage to, uh, to implement some kind of a, a hybrid or, you know, rotating in person virtual something to improve inclusion. And it really does not have to be a lot of, um, you know, time consuming or expensive equipment or work as you're getting, especially as you're getting started. And I think that will go a long way too to make people feel if you're like, okay, we don't really have the expertise right now, but let's try this with the speaker, what have you. Let's have something going as we try and see if we can, you know, improve it. I think that goes a long way to um, making, you know, people feel heard who, who can't attend in person. Okay. Next question, Brad. Okay. Next we have Annie Davis. Sorry about that. I was just going to ask where this application can be found when that time comes. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, the applications, it, it will be posted on the ACB, like the ACB conversation list and, and leadership list. And when, when they're ready, there'll be links posted to those applications. So we'll receive emails. Okay. Okay. In the room, Miss Zelda. This is Linda Corral in Olympia, Washington, in person. And I want to say that one of the things that has always troubled me is when uh, affiliates talk about Christmas parties 
it really leaves out Muslims, it really leaves out Kwanzaa, it really leaves out Hanukkah. I want to know what we can do about this because I have a real problem with this and um, I hope we can make things more inclusive by not calling our winter holidays Christmas. This is really... Yeah, this is Maria. I'll tackle that from, you know, international relations. Certainly, that's something that we are attuned to. So, for example, when we did our community of last year, which I hope was, you know, a bit of a start to more inclusive uh, holiday, because, you know, some and, you know, you touched on some um, faiths and, you know, there are others and there are, you know, festivals and holidays going on all all the time. So, um, you know, if we're going to emphasize, like you said, the, the winter ones, um, we had our event uh, last year, our community event that we called Holiday Voices from around the world. And that's legit. It was was different people discussing their different holidays. So yes, you know, I think if you want to say, um, you know, a holiday party, and if you're feeling like maybe some members are more familiar with one holiday than another, and so primarily it's just kind of happened that way that it is emphasizing said holiday, but you have other people who don't celebrate that or who, uh, you know, celebrate something else, again, invite them, right? If you've kind of cultivated a bit of the relationship and you know that they are of a different, uh, you know, faith and they're celebrating something else, have them come in and, you know, tell you something about what what they're doing or have, or maybe ask if they can be involved in the planning and they can bring some of like the food from their you know region or from that tradition and um you know as Lynn mentioned just the wording and such uh, as well so you know I would I would definitely agree with that point and I think there are ways to to make them more inclusive I agree with everything that Maria has said but I also would say that um be alert for and be prepared to deal with the pushback from those who, well, it's always been a Christmas party. Why do we have to call it a holiday party now? And I think this is this is a good teaching moment and a good inclusion moment to say that, look, you know, we want to we, we have a, a diverse uh, chapter or whatever it might be. And we we need to we want we need to include uh, the traditions of, of, of and recognize and value the traditions of all of our members. And so uh, that might be, uh, so I think some of the things that Maria said would be good. And I think um, calling it a, a winter party or a holiday party, I think is a little more, is a little bit more inclusive uh, too. I've known a lot of places have started to, to do that. And um, uh, I think that um, one of the more difficult things probably to figure out is how you would do it. Let's say you're your local chapter, for example, and you have your party at a local restaurant. Um, reach out if you have members in your uh, chapter, for example, who are of, you know, where they don't celebrate Christmas or the, the traditional Christmas holiday. Um, ask them to be involved in the planning to make sure that there are uh, food choices and, and, and options for folks that um, would not uh, would not normally celebrate that uh, that um, that thing too. But I'm but I'm going to turn this around a little bit too. And only thing I would say, and, and I don't is to say, and this is, gets back to our Brave Spaces competition. You know, we have to respect and include. Uh, these other uh, holidays as well, but you, uh, but the, the folks that um, do that celebrate other events, they need to respect people like my right to celebrate Christmas as well. 
And I think it needs to be mutual respect there. This is Mel, Maria. <laughs> Your vice chair. Yes, um, indeed. <laughs> and uh, uh, Ray and um, Brad. Yes, my question is, we've had a lot of conversation recently, not just about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. Do you ah. think... <laughs> so I would like to know you your thoughts, both of you, as to whether you feel that accessibility should be included in uh, diversity, um, uh, okay, and equity and all that, or should it be uh, separate um, and not included as far as the DIE? I absolutely, Meryl, believe it should be included because if you're going to include people with disabilities, you do need to think about accessibility, um, but not just, but, yes. but not just, mm -hmm. but not just people with disabilities either. Um, I think accessibility can be stretched, can stretch beyond that. For example, maybe if you want to include uh, folks in your chapter or get folks involved in your chapter that maybe live in a particular neighborhood that where there's difficulty with transportation. Maybe it's a rural area, for example, and you want to include some folks in your local chapter and you know, they're interested, they want to come, but they just can't get there. Find ways, reach out to, for example, the Lions Clubs and other organizations to say, hey, could you help provide some rides to get people to the, that? That's accessibility to your events, if you think about it. Um, what we were talking about earlier with with the fact that hybrid is here to stay. And, you know, maybe making sure that you know, working with uh, groups such as ACB Media to get some folks trained or to have some understanding of minimal what equipment you might need so that you can provide accessibility to your to your events. Um, um, making sure that, um, you know, besides all the other things we think about with accessibility, uh, like making sure that um, you're you have um, if you can uh, provide it. Um, uh, assistive listening uh, devices or uh, things to help those that maybe have uh, difficulty with hearing um, to make sure that you're meeting in an, if, you, if you're talking about a chapter meeting uh, or an event or you know, a, a holiday party or whatever it might be that it's in a, a location that's accessible because we do have people that use uh, wheelchairs and making sure that um, you um, in making sure that you uh, involve uh, folks maybe of different uh, different abilities, provide accessibility to them. Maybe there are folks that are want to be involved in whatever it is you're doing that have, um, besides blindness, maybe they have intellectual disabilities. And um, frankly, I think that's an area we don't do very well with and we need to do better. Or um, that, you know, are dealing with uh, mental health issues. We're talking a lot about that in ACB and we should be. And so I think, um, I think when, I think accessibility needs to be included, but I think when, I, I, I hope that we will not just think of the traditional accessibility that will think of accessibility in a little broader sense, uh, like some of the things that I just mentioned and transportation and the like. Thank you. And yeah, and I, yeah. yeah, and I would absolutely uh, just 
agree um, with what Dre had said. I'd actually, I was curious to see, I did a little bit of uh, Googling um, just now on creating culture of diversity, equity, inclusion. I wanted to kind of see what came up and something came up from the Society for Human Resource Management. And they do mention disability. I was glad to see because so much of the time, disability is left out of the diversity equation, wrongly left out. And I was happy to see that it was included there. And they do mention accessibility as well. So um, I absolutely agree that it should be a part of the conversation. And, you know, again, I think um, I just I want to encourage anyone, if you feel like there is some accessibility issue that isn't being addressed in something, you know, your affiliate website or some national or something to to bring it up, because it might not be something that those in leadership have thought of. Like, I will say, for example, for it was such a learning moment for me. I'm totally blind. And I, the community, um, I think a good example, like the ACB um, community emails, how they started having the three asterisks. And I was like, which this was a concern raised, uh, a question raised. And I even thought, like, why are you doing that? That's so redundant. It's already a heading. And, you know, and then come to find out from the low vision side, which I hadn't, I've been totally blind since birth. I never even thought to check, you know, the font. I would have thought the heading font was different, but it wasn't. And so the asterisks helped those of us with low vision. And I think that was someone raising that suggestion or raising that question to uh, you know, Cindy or, or someone in that team. Um, so, you know, it's it's definitely an opportunity for us to grow and to think about accessibility, uh, perhaps even in ways that we haven't uh, before. Okay, I'm going to flip my mask. Um, to Ray's point on accessibility, um, when you're doing like affiliate events, be careful with that because I can think of a couple of times when we were doing things in ICB that we almost got burned big time because of accessibility issues. Fortunately, in one case, what we were doing, we were on the first level of the place or we would have had a big problem because our presenter was somebody with physical disability. So, um, it would have been a big problem if we had been on an upper floor. Um, so an illustration of why you got to think about that. And then we did a uh, we did a fundraiser event at a place, and it was, shall we say, marginally accessible. And one of the people involved in helping us put on the event um, was not too pleased about some of that set up so it just goes to show you really got to be careful with that stuff if you want to include everybody great thank you and you know it goes back with being observant as well <laughs> oh my okay um did we have any hands raised in in zoom in the meantime brad yes i do i have one hang on it is roberta hi there um i just want to give kudos to say having a microphone in the room and bringing it to people is making those of us on Zoom much, it's much more accessible because before the echo was so bad, you could barely understand people in the room. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Okay. Uh, thanks, Roberta. And you're absolutely right. Uh, we, we absolutely have to do that. But 
one of the things that happens is it, it sometimes what you might hear something it's just we're talking amongst ourselves about something related to the presentation or something like that so um i think maybe what here again this is a learning this is hi, hybrid experience this is learning for all of us so maybe what we need to do is um say okay we're going to step off the mic for just a second uh for a few for a few seconds to discuss something real quick we'll be right back or something like that but but you lead me to a great story and um somebody and i can i I don't remember who it was it always used to it used to get under his skin he was low vision um and i i should know who i'm thinking of somebody from new york and the name is just not coming to me but Ken Stewart. That's right. Ken Stewart. Yeah. So <laughs> I remember he always used to say, uh, so, so, and I'll illustrate this for the people in the room. So I will be off mic for just a second on zoom. So just be aware of that. So he always used to say, now when you're on the microphone and you're telling people where you are at, you need to get away from the microphone. Don't say up here because I'm, I'm, I'm going to hear you on the microphone. And I don't know where up here is. You need to say, I'm stepping off up here <laughs> is what you need to do. And so that was when we were meeting in, in that was when we were meeting in person. So Ken Stewart, I, I've, I've never seen anything get under somebody's skin the way that, and for good reason, he is absolutely right. And it's just like the whole thing of we, what we've all been told when we go out somewhere that, and I remember going around the internet, the most dangerous place in the world is over there. <laughs> so, all right. All right. Do we have any other hands on Zoom? So, <laughs> there's a lot to think about. <laughs> oh, my. That, you know, Ray's story about the microphone happened to me this morning at the teacher's breakfast. Um, I needed to get up front and locate the gentleman who was our speaker because I had to give him the money to pay him. Um, anyway, uh, and I, I kept like hearing, you know, the microphone and, and I had no idea where they were. But anyway, I did find him eventually got his money. Um, but again, I, I really want to thank all of you for coming to these sessions. Uh, I want to thank you for your participation. Thank you to those on Zoom, Brad and, and Doug, for your volunteering your time. You know, one thing about retirement, you don't have to have the CEUs anymore. <laughs> uh, again, thank you so much for coming. I hope, hope everyone enjoys the rest of their convention. And, and let's all do the best we can to help people feel included. Thank you. Thank you.